Hey friends, welcome to Garden Church Podcast. This is a series called Jesus People. We are looking at who Jesus is and how we become more like him. Jesus People are God's strategy for transforming the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. For more information, go to garden.church. It's good to be uh, with you this morning. And I just want to give you a fair warning. I am in all likelihood going to ruin Christmas for you this morning. Um, I, I, I love Christmas, I really do. Appearances to the contrary. Um, and um, I, I, and I, I, but I do have a, have a bit of a reputation as a curmudgeon and I own that, I'm happy for that. Um, but the reason is, um, is Christmas creep. Can, can we just talk about how Christmas kind of just capillaries its way into Halloween and beyond? And pumpkin spice, give me a break. I mean, it should not show up ever, for one thing. And if it's going to, it should at least wait until a reasonable time to do that. Um, so so uh, with that said, uh, sometimes I get tired of people wanting me to feel the merry. You, you, know, what I'm, you know what I mean? Uh, so, especially because in Advent, um, I think that sometimes Christmas hijacks Advent too. Uh, Advent is about preparation, not about fulfillment. It's about setting the table, not eating the meal. And, it, and, and especially when we remember that Advent was not in its original designation first about Christmas or incarnation, it was about second coming. It was about God's fulfilling the promise of incarnation. Uh, remember that Jesus didn't come so that you wouldn't have to go to hell having him die on the cross in your place. He came to teach us how to live a brand new way in the, in, in the kingdom. And the kingdom has come, but is yet to come. If we think that the promise uh, of, of incarnation is fulfilled in incarnation. We miss the point both of the cross and of the promised return. So it's that piece that I want to talk about today. Uh, and, and even though it's not one of the four kind of words of Advent, uh, you know, hope and peace and joy and love, uh, I want to talk about anger this morning. Advent anger. Um, it's part of our series, uh, Jesus People, uh, uh, because Jesus knew how to be angry and knew about what to be angry. And uh, we need to learn that from him, otherwise our anger is going to be outrage du jour and we'll miss the larger point of anger, which is to stir our hearts for the things that God is about. That, that stirs our hearts to, to the injustice that remains yet to be finally resolved. And it can't be dealt with with putting pretty lights on it and, and, and singing Jesus' favorite carols. Um, the, the invitation today uh, is, is to take seriously the promise of incarnation and to let it sow a seed of lament in your heart 
not to not to take the shine off the baubles on Christmas morning, but to remind us that out of this babe born in a manger, please remember he was born in a place in a, in a in a manger on the outskirts. He was from his birth rejected and uh, fled as a refugee in what is now highly contested area today we can't get to Bethlehem because it's under bombardment. That ought not to escape us this morning. Does, does that make sense? So Darren will fix it all next week. Uh, and and I, I just uh, want you to know that when Jesus came, the outcome almost universally was disappointment. And we can kind of talk ourselves into something else, but I want you to sit with that a little bit this morning because it informs our mission in the world in the meantime. So that said, uh, the passage I want to start with is Mary's uh, exalting prayer, uh, celebration of worship, when she, uh, the, the news of his, his, his uh, impending birth, the angel comes, her response is really kind of subdued, be it unto me according to your word. But, but when she goes to visit Elizabeth, her, her, her aunt and, 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 or cousin, sister, whatever she is, and, and, and meets her there and hears her celebration of the baby that is to be born, Mary gets it in a way that she hasn't up until this point. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So this is, this is Mary's joy-filled response to the realization of Jesus' soon, uh, soon birth. And, and, and you can feel the joy that is bubbling up as she finally gets what's going on here, this awareness of prophecy fulfilled, this awareness of, of God's promise being born and the Messiah that she carries now will be this one who delivers, who, 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 who brings the justice that those who are at the bottom of any given pile you want to look at are longing for because they have nothing else but longing to get them out of the mess they're in. They have no resource. They have no advocacy. They have no agency. And Mary says, finally, someone, my boy, is going to come to those people and will lift up the humble and will bring justice. Remember again, justice isn't about punishment. It's not about retribution. It's about restoration. 
Humility is not simply saying to the poor, you're great. It's also saying to the great, you're poor. It brings us both into equal alignment. And you can feel the joy welling up in Mary's soul as she realized that's what this is about. Can you imagine her disappointment? When the first word she hears after his birth is, a sword is going to pierce your heart, girl. He's going to disappoint you. He's going to disappoint everybody. Because her understanding of what justice requires is very different than the way he's going to bring it. The sword that she expected him to carry to level the playing field will pierce her own heart. And she is invited to take that joy of celebration and turn it into the joy of grit. Hang on, Mary, it's going to be a rough ride. It's going to be a challenging season. Incarnation is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the first act, if you will, of the play. Don't leave at intermission. Stay in the game. And, and this disappointment uh, that she experiences, uh, his cousin John had the same disappointment. When John announces Jesus' arrival, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, he answered them, I baptize you with water. He's under critique uh, uh, about what his mission is and what he's going to be about. And his response is, I baptize you with water. But the one is coming who is more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire the winnowing fork in his hand to clear the threshing floor, gather the wheat into his barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Many other words, John exhorted the people to proclaim good news to them. What's the good news that John is proclaiming? The good news is finally God has heard our heart cry. Finally, God is acting to, to restore the balance. Finally, judgment is coming. That's what the fire is. It's not the fire that we have euphemized in charismatic renewal. He's bringing the fire. Oh, oh God, you don't want that. Not at the end of the day, because fire is always about burning, and you'll notice what John says. He's going to burn the chaff. And, 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 and so when Jesus shows up with, with his message, when Jesus shows up healing people and delivering people and not saying one word against the Roman oppressors, not saying one word about the injustices that, 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 that attacked the culture from the inside out. Not saying one word. You can imagine, especially when John himself ends up in prison. It's like, dude, what, what, what are you doing? It, I, this, isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. John, verse 18 of chapter 7 John's disciples telling him everything Jesus did. So he called two of them. He sent to them to the Lord to say, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? You're a disappointment, you hear? And Jesus' response when they said, John the Baptist sent you, ask us the question, are you the one who's come? Should we expect somebody else? Verse 21. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases. Sickness, evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. 
So he replied to the messengers, go back and tell John what you've seen, what you've heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. But blessed is anyone who does not stumble on my account. You see what he's saying? His incarnation apparently is not about deliverance. It's not about rescue. It's not, let's get out of here. Incarnation is about God with us in the middle of the mess. Incarnation is saying to people who are disenfranchised and broken, you have a sovereign God who is sitting in the, in the gutter of your life with you. You are not alone. That's what incarnation is. And, and to speak the, 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 the promise to come in the, in the actions, of the, the blind see, the, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the, the imprisoned are set free is, a, is, a, is, is, is intended not to be the outcome. Uh, okay, all of those things are true. Now what? Now what? The culture that produced the brokenness still needs redemption. The brokenness of Genesis 3 is not solved by every once in a while somebody being healed. The the brokenness of Genesis 3, our Genesis 3 rebellion, is not dealt with when occasionally lame people walk or deaf people hear or lepers are cleansed. Those are all symbols. Those are all emblematic. And thank God for the healings we experience. But let us be clear, brothers and sisters, Jesus did not come to heal you so you could go back to same-o, same-o. It's intended to be a sign. It's not just a miracle for you to Instagram the moment. It's intended to be a sign to point to what is yet to come and to cultivate in your soul a sense of longing for what is yet to come. the the resolution of the crap that we got ourselves into by the decisions we made. And so John is disappointed and Jesus says, yeah, I'm the one. It's coming in a way, John, that you had not expected. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. Does not stumble on account of me. John, perhaps like Mary, is expecting a sword. He's expecting flame. He's expecting judgment on all of those. And John was very happy probably to tell you who ought to be first in the judgment list. Anybody have a list of those that you'd like to put forward? These are the people. Mm, Apparently the way that Jesus is intending to, to save the world is different than what we had anticipated. In fact, when he talks about John in Matthew chapter 11, he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, listen to this, the kingdom of the heavens has been subjected to violence and the violent have been raiding it. Now, I don't know everything that this text means. It's troubled me for about 15 years. Seriously, what in the world is going on here? And yet, if you look at the context, you'll understand that at least partly what Jesus is saying is the way I'm intending to resolve this tension that you're experiencing, the way that I'm intending to save the world is not by random healings of occasional people here and there and sending you out to do the same, fixing it. 
so that we can keep on in our brokenness. Remember, you don't get fixed consequences if you're not prepared to fix cause. The brokenness that Jesus healed was consequential. If you don't deal with the cause, there's just going to be more consequences down the line. He wants to go after the cause. He wants to go after the deep brokenness that produces all of these horrible outcomes that we see in the news every day. But his way of doing it is not violence for violence, not anger for anger, not retribution for retribution. Jesus is saying the violent are attacking the kingdom. That's why they killed him. The violence about which he speaks is the violence directed towards him, the violence directed towards his disciples. And, 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 and we want to say, well, Jesus, use some of your, your, your Jesus juice. Come on. Nukem. Can I get an amen? And Jesus is saying, don't stumble on account of me. He didn't die so that we wouldn't have to. He died so that we would know how to. How do you intend to reduce the amount of violence in the world, brothers and sisters? More violence? Anybody else have a PhD in stupid? <laughs> Revenge does not work. Not now, not ever. It just doesn't work. If the outcome is the cessation of violence, revenge will never get us there. What will? Jesus said, I'm going to absorb all of that violence. I'm going to take it into my very being and nullify it by not spitting it back out in revenge. I'm going to become a, a black hole of violence attraction into which it goes and doesn't come back out. You want to join me? Wait, that means I've got to forgive people who don't deserve forgiveness. That means I can't retaliate when people attack me. That means I can't be mean to people who are mean to me. Blessed are you who don't stumble on account of me. You can understand why people might stumble on account of Jesus. If this is the way he's going to save the world, i got a better idea. Let's, let's do the nuclear option. Targeted, strategic. Like, is there any human soul that would survive the nuclear option if Jesus decided to exercise it? All of us have been damaged and have damaged as a result of the brokenness of Genesis 3. And Jesus says, guys, this is the only way. This is the only way. Uh, we have to learn our anger from Jesus. His, his brother James figured this out. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 19 of chapter 1, James. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of moral filth, of the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. 
See, the kingdom of God is a shot across the bow of all of the principalities and powers that Jesus recognizes are at the root of everything that we are dealing with. His healing of people who are on the edges of that brokenness is a promise of the final defeat of the source of that brokenness. The challenge for us is that we look at broken people who break others, we look at hurting people who hurt others, and we just want to take those hurt people who hurt others and and remove them from the equation, not realizing that all we do is kick the can down the road. We haven't actually solved anything. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom not of retribution, but a kingdom of love that absorbs the pain that produces the action in the first place. And Jesus says, you got to learn it from me because your anger is going to be misdirected. Your anger is not going to accomplish the righteousness of God. Can I get a witness? It just won't. Why? Well, because it's for no other reason that, that, that we target the victims who victimize others. This is why he said, if you're going to join me in this, you've got to learn how to love your enemies. The people who have turned against you, you've got to learn how to love them because if you just respond to them the way they respond to you, forget praying your kingdom come. You're working against it when you do that. When you don't forgive as a way of punishing, you're the only one who's punished. We scapegoat. We target the victims who victimize others. And by the way, please don't misunderstand me. People who do harm to other people need to be held to account. That's not what I'm saying. There are systems in place. Ideally, they don't work very well in our culture to enable that to happen. But let us be clear, that's not the ultimate solution. It's an invitation into the depths, right? Do you all hear that? Oh, good. (laughs) At my age, you just want to always verify (laughs) if other people are hearing the music that you're hearing. You'll notice when you follow Jesus around who he goes to and who he gets angry at. He goes to the weak. He goes to the margins. He goes to children. He goes to women. He goes to the Gentiles. Whenever Jesus is angry, you see somebody who has no voice, no agency in the culture. Right? He never gets angry on his own account. When his boundaries are violated, he absorbs the violation and responds. He's very clear on where the boundaries are. He has no problem establishing boundaries. He just doesn't need to do it with anger. But if if you get in the way of one of the kids, look out. He gets that look in his eye. And, and, and I know, I know, I know that, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, man, you just haven't gotten the look. Anybody been looked at? By Jesus, it's like the disciples. He was angry at the disciples. The disciples. Why are you keeping kids from me? What's wrong with you people? If you don't become like them, you don't get in at all. 
He got angry at a good re religious people like me. I've been going to church all my life. I know stuff. <laughs> and what do I use the stuff I know to do? Exactly what he told me I would do, keep people out more than let people in. That's what the temple, cleansing of the temple was about. You've turned my father's house, intended to be a house of prayer, he could have added for the Gentiles, into what? A marketplace? A den of thieves? You think this is a good idea? Let me flip over a few tables. That doesn't justify anger in action in all and every instances. But let's be clear, Jesus could be, in fact, on the way into the upper room, the disciples, us guys, us people, followers of Jesus who are stumbling along after him are fighting about which of us is the greatest. But we don't want to ask him what he's talking about because we know if we do, he's going to be angry. Remember, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. They can't heal a demon-possessed boy. And he gets angry at them. How long? Come on, people. When are you going to get this? And I, I, I'm sorry, but if you don't have a Jesus who can do that, you need to get a new Jesus. Because if you don't get what his heart is broken over, your heart won't be broken over the same things. Here are people who know the routine, who, routine, who know the song and dance, and who choose a different course. And Advent opens, opens, opens the curtain. We get to see, oh wait, this isn't, this, isn't, uh, this isn't about flesh and blood, as Paul says. This isn't about people. We are all victims of the same enemy who, who has no interest in preserving any of us even though we will have rolled the dice on the lottery every once in a while. He wants to kill. He wants to seize. He wants to destroy. He will do it any way he can. If he can weaponize us against one another, if he can weaponize our differences, he is very happy to do that. If he can give us a sense of superiority in our position, he is very happy to do that because at the end of the day, when you have a sense of superiority, you scapegoat other people. You do his work for him. You depersonalize. You dehumanize. And by you, I mean me. So Advent rips the curtain open and says, look, there's an actual battle going on here. There's an actual enemy that we are fighting, and it's not the flesh and blood enemies. We do have an enemy whose strategy is always, always, always to terrorize to weaponize our differences, to turn us on one another, to make us enmity at enmity with one another. And James says, this is why your anger cannot accomplish the righteousness of God. You go after the wrong people. You identify them and you go after them and you miss the ever loving point of what this is all about. Can I just underline something? Often the enemy that we go after the most and miss the point most on is our own selves. And the outcome, we love other people as we love ourselves, which is to say not very well. 
What if we took the signs of our own brokenness seriously like Jesus did and decided to go after root, not just fruit? That's what incarnation is about. It's a deep dive into what made us the way we are, what has resulted in our inhumanity. Here's Jesus' concern. Given this good news, will anybody be left? Remember the story, Luke 18? Jesus told this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who feared neither God nor man, didn't care what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused, finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, this widow is going to drive me nuts. I will see that she gets justice so that she doesn't uh, eventually come and attack me. And here's Jesus' response. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Now, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith on the earth? There should be a definite article in front of faith. In other words, will anybody be left in the game? Will anybody still be accomplishing my mission my way? When the Son of Man returns, will there be anybody who will greet him with gratitude and joy? Will the joy that Mary's song led us into at the beginning persist as we train our souls in the only strategy that ultimately works, which is love? And this is obviously not a hallmark kind of love, is it? It, it? it is a love that is brutalized, the violence, attack it. Because when love wins, all of those power positions are nullified. The face of continued injustice between his first coming and his second coming his biggest concern is whether his people will have given up, whether they maybe even have become complicit with the injustice. I, I, I just confession, I have discovered that my wealth, which is not considerable, but enough to keep me from noticing most of the brokenness in the world. I can hide. I can turn things off. I don't live in the middle of the mess that breaks Jesus' heart. And he invites us into this, into, this, into this awareness with intercession, with prayer. Notice that this parable is told not for activism first, but for prayer first. Out of prayer, you can do all kinds of stuff, but until you prayed, you haven't done the most important stuff, he's saying. And you won't know what to do next. So he invites us into this. And what kind of prayer is it that we are invited to pray? Here's, here's this is, uh, I, I've debated whether to include this one, but I'm gonna, here's Ezekiel. Here's God's heart. You hear it? Ezekiel 22. I look for somebody 
somebody who would, who would build up the wall, who would stand in my way in the gap on behalf of the land so that I wouldn't destroy it. But I found no one. So, I will pour out my wrath, that consequential wrath on them. I will consume them with that fiery anger. I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Lord. See what he's saying? Their behaviors, their actions have brought to a place where consequence, consequential wrath is, is coming down the pike. And I'm looking for somebody who will get in the way of that wrath and absorb it who will say to me, you've got to go through me to get to them, who will say to the living God who is about to bring that fire, burn me up first. But he says, I found no one. As a result, well, you see the result. The world is not going from strength to strength. It's going from brokenness to brokenness at every level. So, so, so what, are we, what, are we, what are we to do? We lament. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, ransom, captive, Israel. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Not to wreak havoc on the, on, 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 on the bad people, but to restore and, and bring justice. We, we intercede, we stand in the gap. Who, by the way, does that remind you of when God finally did find a man to stand in the gap? That was Jesus who absorbed that consequential wrath and on the cross, naked in an icy wind said, Father, forgive them. Thanks be to God because that's why you and I are here. And he invites us. You did get the memo, BYOC, bring your own cross, because that's also what he's inviting us into, to become the absorber of the pain and anguish. So we, 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 we pray, we pray against the spirit of injustice. We pray for what else we can do. We pray for people who are caught up in that injustice. I, I drive past a, 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 a seance, mind card, tarot person house all the time on my way. To, and every time I say, oh God, destroy the darkness, but save the people in the dark. Oh God. Because our temptation is to go after the flesh and blood. And Jesus said, uh, 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 your anger will not accomplish the righteousness of God. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Advent anger is seeing the injustice that still prevails despite the first coming, despite the disappointment with Christmas, despite the disappointment with incarnation, despite the misunderstandings that led to crucifixion. And, and we pray with that deep, aching, heartbreaking longing that God's will would be done. And we pray with lament. We pray with intercession. We look up. We lift up our heads and pray that Jesus would come.
Advent is a, is, is a preparation. And we pray, oh Lord, how long? How long? How long? There are things happening in our world today, brothers and sisters, that ought to elicit anger. We need to learn how to be angry in Jesus' name. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to Garden.Church. God bless you.